0: 934- one three eight one four five six seven, Or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us As we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study
1: And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study for March twelfth, 2009 We're glad you're a part of it tonight We look forward to your participation You can join in the program live by calling 877-381-4567 or by emailing questions at collegeview.com. We're looking forward to you joining in the discussion tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is across the table from me. Good mo- good evening, Dad.
2: Jacob, great to be with you, as always. Uh, we always look forward to Thursday nights because we get to spend some time with our co-students on the virtual Bible study over the Internet.
1: Yes, but uh, you can also be a co-host tonight, and we hope you will join in on the discussion with your phone calls or your emails. We love to hear from our listeners just Let us know you're out there with an email or send us a question or comment. We have an important discussion tonight a discussion that all of our discussions hopefully have eternal consequence, and this one tonight is no exception.
2: That's right, Jake. If we want to talk tonight about the important work of sharing our faith with other people uh, we we commonly call this personal evangelism and I suppose all evangelism is personal at some level, but uh uh, it seemed like years ago we referred to it as personal work. Now the common terminology is personal evangelism. But what we're talking about basically is telling lost folks about salvation that is available through Christ Jesus. And that's a job that we all need to be doing. And so we thought we'd spend some time tonight talking about that and trying to motivate us all. We're including ourselves in that, Jacob, as needing always needing more and more motivation in the in this business. And so uh, we want to talk about tonight, and earlier today to our update list, and by the way, if you're a new listener and you're unfamiliar with uh, what we're doing here, uh, on Thursday, usually around noontime on Thursday, we send out an email notifying everybody on our list as to what our topic is going to be for that night, putting out a few uh, suggested questions that might spark interest and get people to respond, and we start taking those responses all through the afternoon on Thursday, and then we use those responses Along with those that we may get during the live program uh, on on that program that night. So, to our update list this week, and if you want to be on that list, just send us an email, questions at collegeview.com, put in the subject line, add me to the list, we'll do it. But to our list today, we sent these questions. Number one, list what you think are the top three excuses that people make for not doing personal evangelism, and briefly respond to each excuse. Number two, list what you see as the top three necessary traits, attitudes, characteristics that we must develop in order to be successful in this work. And number three, tell us what methods you have personally or in unison with other Christians employed to successfully reach out to the lost. So those were our three questions, Jacob. I think that uh, there's plenty of material there for us to cover. I hope we can get uh, uh, some good responses. So let me quickly summarize these questions. Number one. The top three excuses people offer for not doing it. Number two, the top three necessary characteristics we need to develop in order to be successful. And number three, maybe some methods that you've used that have been successful and you've had good results by using certain methods to try and reach lost people. So those are our questions for consideration tonight. All
1: right. The number to call is 877 381 4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. And we are using. Ustream.tv, and along with that service, we have a chat room that you can join, and there have been listeners that have been going to the chat room during the program. Some of you may have had difficulty finding that chat room, and there is a link on the screen that you'll see there. Click on the link you see on our screen. It'll take you to the page for our program, and uh, to the right of the video that will show up there, there will be a chat uh, window. And you can put your comments in there. Is that a
2: clickable link or are they going to type it in? It is clickable. You okay. just click on it. Okay. And
1: you can go to that page and enter your comments and have a discussion with other listeners about the topic tonight.
2: And we should we should mention that's an unmoderated chat room. So you may get in there. I hope nobody would get in Don't there. advertise it that it's unmoderated. Well, we, we should, don't want we, to
1: encourage we comments.
2: Should, we should make the disclaimer we're not moderating that chat room. So if somebody gets in there and misbehaves, well, we, we'll have to make some corrective action. But, but uh, we hope that everybody would just use that chat room to, to share ideas with one another while we're talking over the air. You can chat in that chat room.
1: And we're watching, so we'll, yeah. we can include your comments uh, during the broadcast as well. If you don't want to type in an email, just put it in the chat window. And if you're joining us from Ustream.tv, our website is thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. You can check out our website and find out more about the College View Church of Christ. We hope you'll do that if you're joining us tonight for the first time. We're talking about personal evangelism on the program tonight. And as we mentioned, Dad, this is a, a subject of eternal consequence, and it is of eternal consequence because there are lost souls at stake.
2: Actually, I suppose we could say it's of eternal consequence for the lost that we should try to be reaching, but it's also an eternal consequence for us because it's our duty. And if we fail in our duty, then we're going to be held accountable as well. So it's actually has has eternal consequences for all parties involved.
1: All right, uh, let's uh, ex- uh, expound on that a little bit because uh, that's something that's maybe a little bit foreign concept to some. Some believe maybe it is not their obligation to teach.
2: Well, you know, we could go, I think probably an easy place to go would be to the Great Commission. When Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you all, even to the end of the world. They were to go and teach. And then they were to teach those that they taught to do the same things. And so really, if you follow logically, follow that progression, it comes down to us all the way to today because we are those who have been taught by disciples before us, and something that disciples are to do is to teach others. So it is certainly an obligation uh, that that we all have as Christians to be telling others uh, about Jesus Christ.
1: All right. It is our obligation, yet it is an obligation that is often shirked. We need to understand uh, the principle uh, that the Bible repeatedly tells us that we need to be teaching. And uh, we could wrap up and sum up that obligation with a passage uh, like James chapter 2, uh, verse 8. If you fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. And that really does boil down the obligation for us to be teaching others because we love them. And we didn't want them to, to spend an eternity in hell and so if we love our neighbor, as we should, we're going to be teaching them and telling them how they
2: should live in order to be pleasing to God. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who, who shall be able to teach others also. And so it is in God's plan that people share with other people the news of salvation in Christ Jesus. God could have done it, I suppose, in any way he chose, but he chose this method of Conveying the message from one person to another, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, uh, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God; it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they? This is Romans 10 verse 14. Now how? Then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher, and how shall they preach except they be sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So it's just this is this is the biblical pattern for people who know the truth to share it with others who need to learn about it.
1: All right, 877-381-4567, questions at com. Having established that fact that it is our obligation then, some will make excuses to relieve themselves of that obligation.
2: And that was our first question that we put out today to our update list. What do you think are the top three excuses that people make for not doing personal evangelism? And we ask people to list your top three, what do you think is the most common ones, and then uh, sort, sort of briefly re, uh, respond to those excuses. Excuses are not legitimate reasons, excuses are uh, are just ways to to try and avoid what we ought to be doing. Uh, Clay here in Columbia, Tennessee says, some people feel that evangelism means only talking to strangers so they don't invite anyone. These folks are not comfortable talking to random people so they don't invite anyone at all. The truth is that evangelism is simply telling others what Jesus has done for you, according to Mark chapter 5 and verse 19. So I think what Clay is saying there, Jacob, is that some people would say that this this business of evangelism is reaching people that that I don't know that I've never met, and i don't and I, and so I'm not comfortable with that talking to strangers, and so I just don't. But I think he makes a point that we'll be stressing throughout our program, and that is that our best opportunities in evangelism is not with strangers, it's with people we already know, and uh, we want to stress that as we go along,
1: all right. Uh, We have an email from, did you get all of Clay there? No, no,
2: I haven't read all of it. Go ahead, good. his, His second excuse, he says, some people don't feel that their congregations have anything to offer. This usually takes the form of, we don't have any young people, so I'm not going to invite young families, or our preacher isn't that good, so I'll not invite my co-worker, who always talks about his preacher being so good. These folks look for reasons that people wouldn't like the church. In the back of their minds, they feel their congregation can't offer anything to the person they have considered inviting, so they don't invite them. That's a, that's a sad commentary. someone feels that way about the the local congregation they're a member of, uh, obviously, if they feel that way, some changes need to be made. If if, if the congregation is not uh, uh, not appealing in the biblical sense, I think some people try to appeal in a non biblical sense. But if it's not appealing in the sense that we are not uh, enthusiastic about our worship to God, and we're not uh, not conducting the worship service to God in a in a way that would be uh compelling to those who might visit then we need to change some things
1: well it, it, yes but uh, you know it is a little bit uh a little bit uh, intimidating for us when we think about what the other what other congregations offer in the way of physical enticements uh we think about uh, well we're going to invite so and so to come and to hear um a sermon is not quite as is interesting as having them come and watch our band play or come and uh, join us in the gym afterwards for a basketball game. We're going to have a pickup basketball game after we, after we worship God on Sunday morning. Those things are more appealing, and so it can be intimidating, but we have to understand that the the candidates that we're looking for, the, the, the souls that are interested in the gospel, won't be interested in those physical enticements, uh, or well, at least eventually that we would We'd hope we hope we're not going to be able. We're not going to be able to convert them with the physical enticements.
2: That's right, and we in other words, we can't compete at the same level. Scripturally, we can't compete at the same level as some of these groups are are, are doing. we and I I think that's a a caveat that we have to mention concerning everything we're talking about tonight. We are restricted and limited by what's authorized biblically. Uh, so we, we we might be able to draw an enormous crowd of people if we were to offer non-biblical or unscriptural enticements. We can't do that, obviously, so uh, they're, they're, we may be limited to some extent. But we it, we should be doing the very best job we can, in reference to what Clay says here, we should be doing the very best job that we can to make it a compelling thing that people would want to come and see and learn uh, about the Lord. He's... And then his final excuse he mentioned, some people don't feel a sense of urgency to reach the lost. These folks don't see people as souls in need of the gospel. They are content to let they are content to let them perish in the flames of hell. The old song you never mentioned him to me should terrify folks with this mindset. I've always wondered why the disciples didn't bring anyone from the Samaritan village to see Jesus uh, in John four. Could it be that they didn't have a sense of urgency to reach those people? The Samaritan woman sure did, and look at the results. So that's a good. I never thought about that from John four. When the disciples went to town to buy uh, food. They came back to Jesus having not brought anyone. But when the Samaritan woman met Jesus, went to town, she brought back a whole crowd with her because she felt some urgency. emergency. Good point, Clay.
1: All right, Clay, thanks for your comments tonight. Jared in Cookville, before our break, uh, sends in his passage that he likes in the area of personal evangelism, Matthew chapter 5, verse 19. Matthew 5, verse 19 says, Whosoever, therefore, shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them. The same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. We appreciate those comments from Jared tonight. We want to let you know that you can join the chat room if you'd like to discuss this with other viewers. And we would like to get your comments on the air with us tonight. You do so by calling 877-381-4567 or by emailing questions at collegeview.com. You can do that right now during the break. After
0: these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break.
2: us in his word we realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps as a result what we think or feel doesn't really matter all that matters is what god has said so that's what the virtual bible study is all about it's pretty simple isn't it thanks again for joining us tonight and we hope you'll make plans to join us every thursday night for the virtual bible study
1: wow this internet thing is really growing and what could be better than using the internet for bible study i guess that's what they were thinking when they dreamed up the virtual bible study good idea don't you think
0: Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And
1: welcome back to the virtual Bible study. We're live on Thursday night, and we're looking for your comments. We hope you'll join in on the discussion as we talk about personal evangelism, and we've talked about our need to be evangelizing personally, and we're looking at some excuses that people make. Guillermo out in Oregon sends in his comments. It's been a while since we've heard from Guillermo. We're glad to hear from him tonight. He says uh, one of the uh, excuses people make is, I don't know what to say. And his answer to that excuse is, every Christian can at the very least tell someone what he needs to do to be saved because they did it already. And that certainly is the case, Dad. If we don't know what to say, did we really
2: know what to do when we did it? That's right. Well, uh, I think uh, one way to take his point there is, you know what appealed to you when you obeyed the gospel? Tell somebody else that, you know. So uh, you you have some experience in that because someone taught you do the same thing to someone else.
1: All right. Appreciate that comment, Guillermo. And he says, uh, another excuse is I always get so nervous. He says everyone at the beginning gets nervous, but the more you do it, the easier it is to talk to someone. Practice is the key. He references Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14.
2: Okay, good point.
1: And number three, it is the preacher's job is an excuse that some will use. His answer to that is the church is not made up of one individual, but many. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. In the body, every member is responsible to help the body work. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Also, the work of evangelism is too much for only a handful of elders, deacons, and preachers to do. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. Thank you for those comments, Guillermo.
2: Uh Patrick in Birmingham says basically some of the same things. I think uh, uh, what I'm seeing is kind of interesting here, Jacob, in these emails is that people are familiar with the same excuses everywhere. Everybody who's responding is saying some of the same uh, things, some of the same excuses. He says, first excuse, I think people think it's not their responsibility. They think it's the responsibility of the preacher, other religious leaders, anyone and everyone except me. Uh, that's the same thing Guillermo was saying. I think that's common. He says, the second reason I'm really guessing here is because I don't don't know, but I might say that some people think it's too hard. They imagine that it requires standing on a street corner, preaching publicly or traveling and going door to door or some other laborious thing they don't have time for. In other words, they imagine it to be complicated and require great and lofty things they believe they are incapable of doing. They don't grasp the concept that the most important evangelism takes place in the day-to-day relationship and encounter with other people. I, I believe that's exactly right. As I said earlier, I think... Over and over again, it has been proven that our our most effective evangelism, our most effective opportunities to share the gospel with people we already know and know well. And then he says, thirdly, I'm not good enough. Some people think that if they're not perfect Christians, they can't evangelize. Now, there's some degree of validity to this concern. Someone living in open sin and making no effort to live a holy life may actually do harm to the church by attempting to evangelize. Even so, someone stumbles spiritually does not mean that they're they aren't faithful. Uh, Proverbs 24:16. for a just man shall fall seven times and shall rise again, but the wicked shall fall down into evil. Therefore, I'm not good enough is either an excuse or is a lie of Satan to keep Christians from doing as they ought. It is a lie that can lead one to despair and perhaps even prevent one from repenting of sin and lead to spiritual death. I think Patrick's point is a good one. Nobody's perfect. If we had to be perfect to do evangelism, there would be no evangelism getting done. Now, on uh that's not to say that as he as he mentioned if you're out there living just a horrible life, we'd rather you just not say anything trying to convince others until you get your own act together uh, uh so I think his point's well taken, but we all need to if if our if we're not living uh the kind of life we should, we need to repent, get right. Uh, and then get busy teaching
3: others.
1: Yeah, it, it is uh, absolutely counterproductive for us not to be living what we're preaching. If we're not living it, don't my, don't bother teaching it. Because First Peter chapter two verse eleven and twelve, First Peter chapter two beginning verse eleven, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers. They may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Our example is going to speak louder than anything that we're going to preach. And if we're not giving the proper example, then we're wasting our breath.
2: That's exactly right. Uh, a friend Jim in Mount Pleasant says, excuse one, I'm not good enough. Oh, excuse me, I'm not good teaching people the Bible. And he just asks, can you not explain the plan of salvation? Number two, I'm afraid I will say something wrong. Uh, his answer to that is saying nothing at all is the only wrong thing. In other words, it is wrong to say nothing. You need to be saying something. And I think just in commenting about that, I think the very best thing to do, if someone asks you a question that you don't know the answer to, none of us know the answers to, to all questions. Actually, that leaves a door of opportunity open. If someone that you're trying to teach asks you a question and you don't know the answer to it, just say so. I don't know the answer, but i i, I I'll find out. And what that does is leave an opening. For a follow-up discussion is actually a good thing. So just say, I don't know, but I'll find out and I'll get back to you on that. So I think that's a good way to approach it. And the third excuse Jim mentions, I'm afraid they won't like me when I speak to them about sin. Maybe not, he says, but they will know what it takes to please God. If it means that someone doesn't like me after I've told them what they need to do to be saved, then I'll just have to live with that. At least uh, I have done my duty and... In the Judgment Day, they will not be able to say, as Clay mentioned in his email, you never mention him to me.
1: All right. A very good comments. Thank you, Jim. And Michael in Orleans, Indiana, says that uh, the fear of the rejection is an excuse that people make. He says, we need to remember that, one, Christians are prom- promised persecution in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, as part of being a faithful follower. And, two, rejection is not a rejection of self, but of the message, First Samuel chapter 8, verse 7. And that certainly does put things in perspective when we realize that it's not a personal rejection. They're rejecting God. And uh, so uh, we need to remember that. Michael goes on and says that the fear of not knowing what to say, and that has been uh, mentioned before. He says the more we read our Bibles, study, and evangelize, the more we will become aware of what their comments will be. I felt this when I first started but soon found that there aren't really that many different things people say when refuting the truth. Once you get started, you will encounter some questions, but use these as learning experience. As a learning experience, and you will be prepared for the next time someone asks the same question.
2: Exactly right. You're going to get better at it. This is something you you develop skill at. And as people ask you questions and you have to deal with the questions, you learn the best way to deal with the questions and the best answers to give. And you get better, and that's what we ought to be striving to do in all things, serving God, to get better and better.
1: Well, you know, we, uh, when we watch a sports team, they're better at the end of the year than they are at the first of the year because they've gotten practical experience with uh, what they're doing, and we'll do the same. And uh, the third excuse that Michael mentions is the fear of letting the Lord down. He says letting the Lord down would be to make no effort at all.
2: Thank you, Michael, that, for this comment. That's exactly right. And we got an, an email from Perry in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, who says, excuse one, people won't listen anyway. I think that's that's one we haven't mentioned. But I, I think this is a tendency we have, Jacob, is to prejudge people. There's no use me talking to him because I, I just know he wouldn't be interested even if I did try to talk to him. So we sort of prejudge our candidates, and we we, we actually are making a decision – to. For them, without giving them the opportunity to make the decision themselves. Who
1: Who of us would have uh, presented the gospel to Saul of Tarsus? Exactly right, or Simon the sorcerer,
2: or the Samaritan woman at the well. Or the, yeah. So I mean, I mean, here's a woman who'd been married five times. She was living with a man that, that she wasn't married to at the time. She doesn't sound like a very good prospect. So yeah, but look at all those who came to the Lord. He answers, uh, his answer, Perry's answer to this is, in response, I would say that even though the majority of people we come in contact with may not be interested, there are still honest hearts out there in the world, Luke 8, verse 15, which we'll never find if we don't sow the seed. It's our responsibility to put the seed out there and let our contacts decide whether to accept it or not. I think it's a really good point from the parable of the sower. One of the things that you notice in that parable is the sower sowed the seed everywhere. He sowed it where it it was likely to grow, but he also sowed it in, where, in places where it wasn't likely at all to grow. And I think one of the lessons we get from that parable is sow the seed. Your job is to sow the seed, not to decide what happens with it when it lands on, on whatever soil it lands on. Uh, excuse two from Perry he says, I'm too busy. We tend to think that I'm too busy right now, but when I get such and such taken care of, then I'll have more time to do it. The problem is that those such and such things keep piling up, and we end up never doing the Lord's work in the air of personal evangelism. God's answer to this problem is to put the things of the kingdom first, Matthew 6:33, and not let the things of the world choke out the things of God, Luke 8:14. We need to be more like Mary in Luke chapter 10 verse 39. And then finally, uh, before
1: we leave that, that is a major problem because a lot of us think that personal evangelism is what we do when we don't have anything else to do. And so it gets it gets put at the end of the When
2: loop. I when I retire I'm going to spend more time
1: when everything at the house is straight. When I get,
2: you know, when I get through this big rush and all this that I'm burdened down with, I'm going to do that. I'm going to spend more. that time. Never comes if we if we approach it that way.
1: And uh, my, and uh, Perry references Luke chapter eight verse fourteen, uh, speaking about those that for, fell on the thorny ground. Notice this: it didn't kill them out. It didn't kill them, but it just made them ineffective. Unfruitful. Unfruitful. In verse 14 of Luke chapter 8, And they which fell among thorns are they which, when they had heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. The cares and riches and pleasures of this life are what choke the word so that it does not bring the fruit to perfection.
2: Yeah, and and, uh, he mentions Mary in Luke 10, verse 39. That's when Jesus was in the home of Mary and Martha. Martha was so busy trying to serve her guests. Mary this, paid no attention to that and paid attention to listening to the Word. She saw what was more important. She didn't get herself so busy. She couldn't attend to what was more important. And uh, she, she, Jesus commended her for seeking the good part. And then finally, Perry's the third excuse he hears is, I'm too shy, timid, or afraid. While it's true that some of us tend to be a little less open than those who, as the phrase goes, never meets a stranger, we need to look at others and see a soul that needs saving our desire for man's salvation should help us to use our opportunities to reach out to those in a lost condition. Let us remember that the master will not approve of the servant who shrinks back and fails to use his talents. So I think those are really good points for Perry. Thank you, Perry, for those comments.
1: All right, 877-381-4567, questions at com. We've taken one of the three questions for tonight. We've got two more to go, and we've got time for your comments.
2: And we're getting some chat going on in the chat room. looks pretty interesting. I haven't been able to spend much time reading all that, but it looks pretty interesting. You may want to join that chat room.
1: All right. We appreciate uh, you being out there. We look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. This week's bullet point is up next.
0: Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study
2: continues after this announcement. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. Anyone who's ever harvested fruit from a tree knows that the easiest picking is of the fruit which hangs on the lowest limbs. This fruit can be quickly gathered. No ladders, no reaching, no problem. This is, for obvious reasons, always the first fruit to be picked. Business people sometimes refer to low-hanging fruit when they're not even discussing apples, peaches, or oranges. They use this expression to identify the people, products, profits, etc. that are the easiest to realize. For businessmen, just like orchard keepers, it makes a lot of sense to go after the low-hanging fruit first. As Christians, we have the responsibility of sharing the gospel with the masses of lost people in the world. Contemplating this job can be an overwhelming thing. There are more than 6 billion people in the world today. In fact, we're told that there are currently more living people on Earth than the sum total of all the people who've died throughout all time. Think of it. More than half of all the people who ever needed to learn about God and His will are out there today waiting for us to get the good news to them. How can we hope to succeed? Where should we begin? How can we tackle this enormous job? Here's a suggestion. Go for the low-hanging fruit first. By that we mean we should first target the people around us that we know personally, our friends, family, co-workers, neighbors, and other acquaintances. These are the folks that we know the best, and they know us. Our chances to influence them will be the greatest. Yes, we need to reach all those nameless masses out there, but why not start first by sharing God's truth with the ones right at hand? Such folks will not require special evangelism plans or the expending of large amounts of money. We can just talk to them around the kitchen table, across the back fence, or while seated at the coffee break table. We can realize a huge harvest for the Lord and His kingdom in this simple way. Let's get busy. Let's go for the low-hanging fruit first. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it.
1: My name is Cole, and I'm eight years old. My name is Thomas, and I'm seven years old. In our, our family, we love to listen to the Bible study. study.
0: We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program.
1: And we are back, and we are standing by eagerly awaiting your questions via or comments via email or via the phone tonight. We look forward to hearing from you as we talk about personal evangelism on the virtual Bible study tonight.
2: All right, Jacob, we've covered our first question, the excuses people make. Let's talk about some of the things, some of the attitudes, traits, characteristics that we need to develop to be successful in this work. Because I think that's really important. I mean, this is so critical, so urgent that we ought to try to decide what would make me better. What kind of things could I do to improve my thinking uh, toward this endeavor to be better motivated to get the job done? Clay says um, love people. On a personal level, we need to love people. We need to be patient. Many times folks are not going to be responsive to your first or second invitation, but keep at it. Enthusiasm for God. You can't convert folks to a religion that you you yourself don't practice. Get on fire about serving God, and others will too. On a congregational level, he says, leaders must give people something to be excited about so they will invite others. Ensure that there is a spirited a spirited singing, effective Bible classes, passionate preaching, etc. Leaders of the congregation should make sure that everyone is giving their best and seeking to stir up one another in the assembly. Again, and I know Clay would agree with this, the, the caveat, make sure it's all scriptural. Make sure we're not violating uh, biblical authority in any of that, but I agree wholeheartedly with what he says. And then he says, equip members with the tools they need to invite, invitation cards, tracks, personal skills, members will be more likely to invite when they have the skills to do it. So I think those are good observations from Clay.
1: Guillermo in Oregon says, Be happy, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Too many Christians are so sour about their life as a Christian that it seems that uh, they were baptized in lemon juice. Some get so excited when talking about the things they used to do before becoming Christians, and then they say, but then I became a Christian as if they were cursed.
2: You know, I think that's a super point that Guillermo mentions there that if we act like we're so dejected and unhappy and miserable as Christians, why would anybody else want to be what we are? If we act like we've got the plague and if people get around us, they may unfortunately contract the same problem we have. People, people are not going to be drawn to that. We need to show that this, You know, Jesus promised an abundant life, and I believe that involves here and now as well as hereafter. We need to show people there's great advantages, that our lives are enriched by living for the Lord now. Uh, You know, this is a win-win deal. Our lives are made better now, and we have the hope of heaven and eternity. You
1: know, uh, we don't get excited about things that we're not convinced about ourselves. Uh, If you were to go uh, to the donut shop, Dad, you would not hear people singing the praises of broccoli at the donut shop because they're not sold on that. But they would be telling you, you need to get that cream filled donut with the chocolate on top because it's great. It's 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 one of the best donuts I've ever had. Then we sometimes look at our religion like uh, eating your broccoli. It's something you gotta do. And so if it's something that I dread and I
2: don't get excited about, then why would I want other people to do it as well? Exactly right. I I, I believe that's really a good point that Guillermo mentions.
1: Go ahead. All right, Guillermo also says, live the faith. Matthew chapter five verse sixteen. Nothing worse than someone who preaches one thing and practices something else. Titus chapter one verse 16. And that clearly uh, will damage our effectiveness in personal evangelism. And number three, study Second Timothy chapter 2,
2: verse 15. We cannot teach what we do not know. And I think in, in conjunction with that, and I think that's exactly right, Guillermo, the idea that one of the excuses we mentioned, people being afraid they'd be asked questions they couldn't answer or be afraid they'd say the wrong thing. Well, you can help overcome that fear by doing but was says study, learn it, be a better student, and you'll have more confidence, and then you'll be more willing to speak. I think those are all good observations.
1: We'll remind you about the chat room. You can get to the chat room by clicking on the link that is on the video screen. We you have see. five
2: or six people, in there chatting away. It looks yeah, like.
1: Jared and Mike in Orleans, Indiana, are sharing ideas. Uh, they have, uh, looks like they're also exchanging some material that would be effective in spreading the gospel to the lost. And so you might join them in the chat room, click on the link that you see on the video screen, and it'll take you to the room where you can join in the chat or you can just watch and listen to what other people are, read what other people are saying there in the chat room and don't leave us out of the loop. Now,
2: now how are you doing that? Where you where you're watching the picture on our website page, if you click on that link right there it'll take you it take you away from our page and open up another video window you'll still see the, and hear the program Certainly. but you'll see the chat room yeah. uh in a column beside that
1: that's right okay. and don't leave us out of the loop we would like you to chat with us via email questions com or telephone 877-381-4567 Please join in, and uh, if you would give us a call on the phone, you'd be our special friend tonight. We'd like to hear from you over the phone tonight, so join in on the discussion tonight.
2: All right. Patrick in Birmingham says, what do we need? What traits, attitudes, characteristics do we need? Humility. Be humble, because God, quote, God resists the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. James 4, 6, uh, human beings tend to resist the proud, too. If we act arrogant or proud, people won't be interested in hearing what we have to say. Good point. Faith. We need faith. One must actually believe all the teaching of Christ. It is hypocrisy to teach and not believe. Uh, Mark 16:16. 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that disbelieveth shall be condemned. This must be a living faith shown by good works. Uh, James 2:26. Uh, Jesus warns against hypocritical teachers. Matthew 23:3. Good points. And then he says we need to have love. This is not about earning points for some kind of spiritual score. One must genuinely love other people and be concerned about their well-being. Mark 12:28 through 31. Uh, uh, I think that's really a really good observation. Uh, and and maybe we do look at it that way. Maybe we look at it as though I got I got to run up some points here. I got to get the, I got to get my score up. And although I don't I don't really have a great interest in these other people, I just know I got to do this to get my points up. And so we, we can't look at it that way. Good point.
1: All right. appreciate, uh, Patrick, for those good comments tonight. And we do have a phone call that we need to take. Uh, this is from Mike in Orleans, Indiana. Mike, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study.
3: Hey, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you for uh, your comments already on email. Thank you for giving us a
3: call tonight. Well, thanks. I, I just kind of got over. I'm not a very fast piper, and I kind of got overloaded in the chat room there. I've had a lot of people asking uh, asking questions. I'll tell you what, we've got a fairly new program, and so I'm not real qualified to, uh, you know, tell you exactly what what all it's about um, or, or just exactly how well it's going to work. I'm trying to get away from the computer a little bit here so I can hear myself and I'm getting a little, little feedback. Um, we had a, a fellow by the name of Rick Billingsley come out. He's a preacher from North Carolina. And I met Rick uh, probably uh, last summer sometime. And what he did is he was down in Louisville, Kentucky, and gave, gave a series of, of meetings on personal evangelism. And I'll tell you, I'm not I'm not here to promote anybody or anything like that. But I really felt like a lot of the things that he had to offer were more practical and more usable than anything that I'd ever seen. And so we had him up for a meeting here just just recently, just a month or so ago, uh, maybe a little bit less. And uh, anyway, Rick came out, and he has a great series. Of uh, things that he uses, and uh, he's had some very high success rates in the things that he's done. He's taken congregations from in the 50s, and by the time has trained people to do what he does, and that's that's the key, that he gets other people involved in the work, but by the time he trains them to do what he does, those congregations are more than doubling in size. Uh, so he's had some real successes. I'll does just he, briefly does say... Web,
2: does he have a website that, that, that might be... Might be uh, a,
3: accessible mike i think um right off the top of my head i can't remember it, but i don't think rick does but he wants if you want to google this i'm sure you could find it because that's how i found it uh he once uh preached um for the congregation in oh my it's up, up near chicago somewhere um I'll, I'll get that, and I can email it to you when okay. but I'm, but I'm not in a yeah, picture. You can put it, you it.
1: put it in the chat room if you'd like, Matt. I, we'll, I, could, I could do that. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll disseminate we'll, that we'll, after you what, put it in.
2: What you're telling us then, Mike, is that, that you all have, have been paying some special attention to this in the church in Orleans, Indiana, and, and you're, you're getting more excited about it because of paying attention to it, it sounds like.
3: That's right. And the, the main key, I've been practicing this since Rick, you know, since I first met Rick back in, in, uh, in, like I said, last year, about late summer of last year, and it has helped me tremendously. And basically there are just a few principles that I'll I'll share with you and then I'll get off here because I don't want to monopolize all the time. But number one, he pays a a special attention to, or he teaches you to pay special attention to any visitors that come into your congregation. Make sure that you, you get their contact information. And if they pay enough courtesy to come and visit you within a week, go back and visit them get their get their uh, home address and go and go stop by and pay them a visit and see if you can get a study set up um, second of all uh, make sure that you you have uh, uh, some means to reach out to people and what he teaches you to implement is what's called a, a new residence program. We live in a small community so we call it the new and existing residence program essentially if, if your listeners want to go to say the uh, the local water company, or oftentimes the local chamber of commerce, they can provide you with names of people who have just recently moved into yeah, the community. Yeah,
2: there's, there's, some, there's uh, usually in any community that you're in, there's some kind of commercial service available to do that.
3: Right. And so you, you send them an information packet about the church and invite them to your services and then let them know in, in the letter that you send that you're going to be stopping by in a few days to give them a visit. And usually about three or four days after we mail that out, we make sure that they've had time to receive it and haven't, haven't completely forgotten about it yet. And we follow that up then with a visit three or four days later and just introduce ourselves, invite them to the church. And we don't try to set up a Bible study at that time, but I do give them the first lesson. And when I give them the first lesson, I just say, here, I'd like you to take a look over this. And I'm going to, after you've had some time to look over it and think about it a little bit, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna check on you and I'll see whether or not you're interested in studying. And then I do follow up with that. And I'll tell you, just in the short period of time, I was really struggling, you know, just trying to get Bible studies and things like that set up and just by doing that alone. Uh we've probably had uh I think four baptisms oh, in great. about the last uh you know, uh two two months or so. Oh that's great wonderful. Great yeah, news. So, yeah. But,
2: so we need to we need to definitely uh look into some of those kind of opportunities wherever we are.
3: Sure, sure. Well, I don't want to take up all your time. Well, but, thanks, uh,
2: Mike, and I've got your email here. I'm going to read some of these other ideas that you've got in here. You've got several good ideas in your email, and so we'll read those. I and mean, we're going to get to that point here in just a second. We appreciate your participation it's, tonight. It's the, okay. mi- it's the Mike from Orleans hour tonight. the
3: Mike from Orleans. I'm sorry. <laughs> I always monopolize, monopolize no, you guys' time. No, Mike. For it, thanks for calling, Mike. Mike I, I always enjoy it. I can it. speak long periods of time. That's why I preach for That's a That's why living. you're a preacher. <laughs> That's right. Hey, okay. we,
1: you, can, you call any time, Mike, and you can have as much time as you'd like. Okay, thanks all right guys
2: Thank you god bless uh, all right 877381456 i, I want to save our last segment jacob to, to expand on some of those good ideas for for doing personal evangelism real quick uh, as much as we can here before our last break uh characteristics traits attitudes we need to develop uh jim in mount pleasant says care for the lost not afraid to have people say no when you ask to talk to them and number 3 determination to keep doing it no matter how often people refuse um
1: and we have Michael.
2: Uh, that is Mike. Uh, he said the Mike we were just talking to says we need the attitudes of wanting to see souls saved, love for fellow man, desire to obey the Lord's command to share the truth, Second Timothy two two, and be a good student of the Bible, able to teach. One learned may do more. One unlearned may do more harm than good. I believe that's right. Uh, and I think oh, uh, we got an email coming from Keith in Tullahoma, Tennessee, or actually Lynchburg, Tennessee, I believe. And Keith. Uh, says he gets to hear us tonight we had audio trouble last week and people were having trouble that's right uh, and
1: keith couldn't listen before keith's one of the ones on dial-up still and there's some still out there and they're just listening to the audio tonight not, so not watching the video keith, keith has been gone ever since we started the video and he's back now so good, back, to, have you, keith. good to
2: have you back keith he says uh attitude i'm going to go right to his characteristics we need the fear of the lord and his judgment we need that we need fear of losing a precious soul to hell and to the devil we need that and if you don't love your neighbor, you don't love God, we need that attitude. Good all points, right. Keith. All right. We're
1: going to take a break, and then we'll come back and get your ideas for how to be effective. And we're going to take a call from you, hopefully, Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. 381 4567 Questions at collegeview.com.
0: These guys are doing all of the talking. We need
4: to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again.
1: Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it.
4: And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that television magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. (laughs) It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN.
2: I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny.
1: Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell, and I want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and gather your family around the computer each Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study
0: broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world the virtual bible study take it away guys and
1: we're back and we appreciate you being a part of the program tonight this program is brought to you by the college View church of christ in columbia tennessee find out more about the college View church of christ by visiting collegeview.com or the virtual we hope you'll come and visit with the college View church of christ if you're in the columbia tennessee area we're talking about personal evangelism on the program tonight We're going to get to the part of the program now that will be helpful to us. Hopefully we've gotten motivation from the first two questions that we've talked about tonight. Now let's talk about some ways to be effective.
2: Yeah, let's talk about some of the ideas that people have used, that have have worked, and they've been successful. I'm going to go to Keith's first. Keith, uh, so we won't miss his comment that came in here at the last minute. He says, make appointments to sit down with them at a time that is convenient for them. In other words, say, when can we do this? Instead of just kind of unofficially, never really getting around to it. Say, can I come over to your house next Tuesday night and and let's talk Bible? Make an appointment. Make it a legitimate, actual sit-down appointment. He says, study the basics. Give them study material. I think, obviously, you've got to start with basics. Most people, uh, sadly, most people in our society don't know much about the Bible at all. You're going to have to start with the basics. Find out where they are. Start there. And then he says, listen to them and their concerns. And notice what he says here, Jacob. Just Thursday night, I baptized my nephew into Christ. He knew absolutely nothing about the Bible, but obeyed after two nights of heartfelt study. I did nothing but tell him about God's love and his judgment. We have set up one night a week to study together. Just a year ago, he wouldn't even listen to me about religion, but now he's open to it. Thanks be to God. Uh, that's great news. Thanks, Keith. Thank you for those
1: that good uh, news, Keith, and for your good comments tonight. Guillermo in, in Oregon says, we have printed tracks, CDs, DVDs, TV, door-to-door, but by far, none can compare with personal contacts. If the brethren would w- try to work on one person they know, invite them to study or services, and invest some time and effort on one person a year, by the end of the year, congregations would double in size. Excellent comment, Guillermo, and I
2: think you uh, are on the right track. Uh, none can compare with personal contact. I think you're exactly right. We've got to emphasize people we know. Um uh, Clay in Columbia mentions on a congregational level. He says and it's our,
1: along the lines of what Guillermo says.
2: He says, our biggest success has been our special invitation Sunday service. I hate to call it that, but I don't have anything else to call it. He says, for, for one month, we dedicate our Sunday lessons to evangelism lessons leading up to a Sunday, usually the last Sunday of the month, in this, in this case, last Sunday in April, where we invite our friends and family. Last year, it resulted in three baptisms and three new members who had just moved into the area. Uh, for 2009, we're going to do it twice, once in April, once in the fall. Our goal is to invite more people than the previous special service. Any kind of special event that keeps momentum going is good in helping folks stay motivated. That's an interesting idea, and, and, and it's working for the church there. Where Clay is. Yes,
1: it is. They've had great success with that, and it is, that is encouraging. All right. Patrick says uh, that uh, prayer... Uh, every undertaking must be preceded by prayer, supported by prayer, and followed by prayer. Without reliance on God, our effort will fail. Isaiah 40, verses 29 through 31, he gives power to faint. To them that have no mighty and strength increases strength, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strengths. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Peter also gives advice in 1 Peter 4:11. whosoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whosoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things through Christ Jesus, to him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. He says, see also Psalm 73, 26, 1 Corinthians 1 25, 2 Corinthians 12 9. The means of obtaining God's strength available to Christians any place at any time is prayer. He says, number two, answer questions. You don't need a PhD or a master's degree, but you should know the faith. Study scripture, read books by reputable educated men, spend time meditating on the doctrine so you can understand them and explain them to others in simple language they can understand if it is necessary to use words others might not be familiar with be prepared to define the words simply try to prepare beforehand by familiarizing yourself with the beliefs of others so you might not be taken completely off guard by what others may say and believe me you will be surprised eventually peter tells us this as well in 1 peter chapter 3 verse 15 but be, but sanctifying your your in your hearts Christ as lord being ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason concerning the hope that is in you with yet with meekness and fear. And number three, he says, Ask questions. Demonstrate to others that you are willing to be attentive. Listen attentively and ask questions. Do not be afraid to ask intelligent, thought provoking questions. Don't be don't ask ignorant, insightful question. Saint James also gives us advice in James chapter one verses nineteen through twenty. Yet know this, my beloved brethren, but let every man be swift to hear. So to speak, so to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Also, you can sometimes, with a thoughtful question, have the other person come up with their own answer, and this will be more meaningful to them than if you supply them with the answer. So I think
2: that uh, Patrick has some good ideas there. Good points. Thank you, Patrick. We always appreciate Patrick participating in the Virtual Bible Study from Birmingham. Uh, Jim in Mount Pleasant says, uh, I think it is no mistake that we often find Christians in the New Testament working in pairs. Paul and Barnabas, or Paul and Silas, or Timothy and Silas. I think greater success comes when brethren work together in helping to reach the laws. I think it's a good, I just think it's good practice. There's a lot of, there's a lot of just common sense reasons why you would go in twos. For instance, if we went out, Jacob, and someone asked a question and I didn't know the answer to it, you might, or vice versa. Plus, uh, there's just some safety in numbers. There's also just prudence suggests, you know, that it, it wouldn't be as easy for maybe some kind of a false accusation to be placed against someone if if a man went alone in, to study, especially for instance with a woman, that'd just be unadvisable. Uh, there's not a, there's just not, there's just an appearance there that's not advisable. So going by twos, I think, is a good suggestion. We ought to do it.
1: All right. And Michael in Orleans, Indiana, has some excellent ideas for us, and some of them he, he mentioned in his phone call. Yeah,
2: he mentioned the uh, new and existing residence program. You know, in other words, if, if uh, lots, if you just do a little investigation, you should be able to find out how to get a hold of a list of people who have recently moved into your area, and you can contact them. We have done that here before. Our problem was the lists we were getting were so badly outdated that it just wasn't working They were old bad. residents, by the time we got to them, they were old residents instead of new residents. Uh, or
1: vacated residents. <laughs>
2: some, many of them were vacant. You really, you need to get a list so that you can hit those people within the first weeks of their move-in because they're going to make – if they're looking for a religious – some kind of a religious connection in their new community, if you're not getting their name till four to six months after they've moved in, it's too late. You, you, so if you're going to do that, try to find a source that's going to give you those names just as quickly as possible after people have moved in.
1: All right. And Michael says, we direct people to our website by asking a simple Bible question and telling them the answer can be located on our website. He mentions number three is their website. And number four, radio ads of controversy. Uh, He said, I've borrowed from your weekly bulletin, Greg, the recent one that asked if they would simply like to hear preachers who preach the truth and call sin, sin. The idea is to speak a, tru- a truth kindly in such a way that might get others' blood moving a bit because, uh, but cause them to think about the truth in contrast to popular doctrine.
2: All right. He says we're making DVD videos that are like tracks. Tracks are likely to get thrown away, but because of their similarity to CDs and DVDs in the local store, many people tend to look at them more as something that holds true value. So. That's obviously a new technology that we can employ. Number six, he says, every time I go anywhere, such as the barber shop, out to eat, get my tires changed, et cetera, I always ask somewhere, I always ask some where they go to church. Introduce myself and leave a card with them, invite them to go to services. I leave a track or a DVD behind with our tip when my wife and I go out to eat. I place the money inside the DVD sleeve pocket, visible. So it's so visible so that the waiter or waitress must open it in order to get the money. That way it can't be missed. Go ahead, Jacob.
1: All right. Uh, He says, I leave tracks at hospitals and speak to strangers. You would be surprised at the number of people that are willing to talk if you start the conversation. We just started these programs in February and already have had four baptisms this year. You've got to be prospect conscious. Everyone is a potential. He says, number eight, we are going to have community meetings once a week where we teach on issues people struggle with and offer a biblical solution to those issues. And number nine, we had a newspaper article which rendered a little response at first and later nothing. It was expensive as well, no baptisms from that. And you know,
2: we've done that too. We, we In fact, right now we're running a, a series of newspaper articles. I'm not saying that's a bad idea, but I'm I, I would have to agree with Mike. We've not seen really great response to that. In the past, we had a little response. This time, we haven't had any response noticeable. Other than this, Jacob, I think that you've got to keep putting your name out there. You've got to pe- make people aware that you exist because sometimes people are not looking for anything religiously. But at some point in their life, they will look. And you want you want to be a known entity. You want, to know, you want people to know that you're out there serving the Lord so that at whatever point they start seeking, they'll remember you and your existence.
1: All right. It takes multiple times, and people who are, are advertising things of a physical nature understand the principle that you've got to present the same thing to people multiple times before it really sticks or gets into their head. Exactly right. And uh, Mike says, number 10, we have a visitor's program, a welcome visitor, a welcome packet for visitors. It tells about the church, has a DVD, a business card, and visitor's card, and survey for them to fill out. We're also going to appoint an assigned greeter to make sure the visitors and survey cards are handed out To any and all unknown visitors to our assembly, he says we are considering a meal sign-up sheet so that anyone visiting will be invited out to eat or to a member's house. Each person has one week assigned to them each month. Visitors are visited by us within a week of coming to our congregation to invite them back. They are also uh, mailed two to three cards from members and one from the preacher, that being Mike. Uh, We thank them for coming. If they took the time to visit us, we ought to make the time to return the favor uh, when we then try to answer questions and ask for a study. Good uh, good uh, comments from Mike and excellent things to consider. He also provides the uh, link to the website where you can find out the information about the gentleman he mentioned, Rick Billingsley. He mentioned his program, and he's had success with it. It can be found at www.dqcoc.org slash studies slash studies Dot h-t-m. That's, again, www.d-q-c-o-c, www.dqcoc.org slash studies slash studies dot htm.
2: Yeah, and you, you've got a clickable link right there. And if you're in the chat room, there's a clickable link. That chat room, man, we I'm really impressed with how much chatting we had going on there. And one thing I wanted to mention, I just... And I have not been able to keep up with all those those uh, entries in the chat room, Jacob, but I noticed that some of them in there were talking about door-to-door, going door-knocking, and it was agreed that that's probably one of the least effective ways to reach people knocking on doors. One person did mention, though, that uh, they used the survey method. In other words, uh, go door-to-door with the idea of taking a religious survey, have some questions ready to ask, and then... Uh, you know, use that as a possible way to open a door. But I think the consensus there in the chat room was that uh, door-to-door efforts are typically the least uh, productive. But you know what, Jacob? This goes to the point we've been making all through the program. We try to devise all kinds of schemes to reach people we don't know. We come up with all kinds, and some of them are pretty good ideas. We come up with all kinds of ideas trying to reach people we don't know. But it has been proven again and again and again. Our greatest success is going to be with people we already do know. Just like Keith said, he just baptized his nephew. Let's—I uh, don't know if you got to listen to the bullet point there. We were talking, getting some other things going during that break. But in the bullet point, I called it the low-hanging fruit. Reach the low-hanging fruit first. Reach the easiest ones, and those are the people we already know.
1: All right, and there there is no real magic bullet, Dad. The the gospel uh, spreading the gospel takes time. And it takes effort, and we need to be willing to make the sacrifice. But too often, I'm afraid we're unwilling to make the sacrifice because we've got other things in our life that are more important to us. Yeah. You know, it could take a Saturday afternoon that I could spend on the lake if I decide that this personal evangelism thing is something I need to be doing.
2: Yeah, let me read this up here. I think we came to the wrong
1: address.
2: Maybe. Okay. It's, we, it's we.
1: Are you sure that's a G and not a Q? Yeah, I, yeah, I might go
2: on there instead.
1: Oh, it is a G. D G C O C dot O R G. And
2: again, I'm sure if you get to that site, then you can, you can
1: find links. To that. All right. W so W dot D is in dog, G is in Greg, C O C dot O R G. That's where you can find out more information. Or if you have are are ambitious on your keyboards, follow that up with a slash studies slash studies dot H T M.
2: Okay. All right. We're out of
1: time. We are out of time. you that, that clock that you worked on is wrong. See, I thought we still oh, had ten more
2: minutes. No, that thing is stalled on us.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. We appreciate everyone for your comments tonight. If you have any other comments that you'd like to share with us, we would encourage you to contact us at any time. Questions at college or you can call any time, twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. You may not get a live voice, but we would love to hear from you anytime. 877 381 45 6-7. Thank you for your good thoughts tonight, Dad, and certainly Thanks. some encouraging words from our listeners.
2: Tonight. Yes, we really appreciate all the good participation we had tonight. Mark your calendars, Lord willing. We'll be back next Thursday night. Make it a regular Thursday night appointment for the virtual Bible study.
1: All right. We appreciate you being a part of the program tonight, and we hope you have benefited from our study and discussion. We encourage you to be back next time for another edition of the virtual Bible study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. Study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.